Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on an independent journalist and writer from Canada. He is only 20 years old, and he is a fantastic writer, so really happy to have him on the show. This is Rav Aurora. Welcome to the show. Hey, Zuby. Great to be here. No doubt, man. I've done a brief intro there, but for people who are not familiar with you and your work, Please tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I, I'm a journalist and I usually write about issues relating to crime, identity politics, uh, social issues of various kinds relating to things like critical race theory or intersectionality. But mostly I write about uh, the homicide rise in the U.S. and the toll that's taken various inner city communities across the country. And lately, I've been writing more and more about vaccine mandates and child vaccination, vaccine side effects, particularly myocarditis in young men. So I, I write about many things, but I, I tend to pick the issues that are most undercovered in the media and try to give an honest opinion and <clears throat> interview people who I think are competent and credible on these issues and then provide this information that I, I feel like many people are missing out on because the mainstream media is just so skewed in one direction in so many of these issues. I hear that, man. Before we get into uh, some of these topics, tell me a little bit about how you got into the world of writing. As I said in the intro there, you're a young man. So what was it that drew you to taking on all these topics, especially in a climate where a lot of people twice your age or even three times your age are afraid to even broach them? Yeah. So in the aftermath of George Floyd last year, I saw that we were headed in a totally misguided direction with respect to race relations and the criminal justice system and the police. And I just felt like society was disintegrating in many ways. And so at that point, I decided to write this article on the fallacies of white privilege and the dangers of identity politics. And so I wrote that up. That was really my first major piece. And I sent it over to the New York Post and they were interested in it. And so they published the article and it ended up going pretty viral. And a lot of people were reading it, which is amazing. And then from there, I just kept on writing more and more about social issues, racial issues and publishing in, in City Journal, Colette, the New York Post, uh, the Globe and Mail, the national newspaper here in Canada. And I think uh, in terms of like, uh, fearing backlash and the the buzz that's generated online from airing these these uh, contrarian views, I think that at a certain point you become sort of uh, you know it's sort of like natural immunity. It's like you you gain you know, you get infected by you know you, you lose your friends, you lose social media followers, you lose 
certain people who are on the other side of the fence who just think what you're saying is totally misguided and dangerous and racist and offensive. And, and that definitely hurts. And I, I've written about this before, about mm -hmm. losing many friends from high school. Uh, many people who I consider to be very close friends and allies were just suddenly just turned on me for airing totally innocuous, common sense views like we shouldn't defund the police. We shouldn't judge each other based on immutable characteristics. But after that period of, of infection, if you will, after you get attacked by this social pathogen and everybody wants to wants to uh, dissociate with you, then you can then then like it kind of, it kind of just becomes part of your identity, and then you no longer fear uh, writing about these things. So mm. you know, I, I've just gotten to a point where I, I just kind of write whatever I want, and definitely I would say I've, I've been surprised when writing about vaccine mandates. That seems to have generated another backlash. Among, among among people who were like many people who were open and uh, agreeing to my writing on racial issues. Now, when it comes to vaccine mandates, now they're just not interested and they find it to be totally reprehensible or just anti-science, dangerous, whatever it is. So it, it's really surprised me how the COVID era has just transformed people's minds and has led to so much division among people. Mm, mm. When you... So the first piece that you had go really viral was the one that you did last year following the George Floyd incident. Prior to writing that, were you expecting such a response, both in terms of support, but also backlash? Is that something that you were mentally prepared for? Or were you quite taken aback by how it was, was received? Yeah, no, I, I wasn't really prepared for that. I guess I, I never thought that so many people would read it. And it just happened to be the case that hundreds of thousands last time I checked, if not millions of people were reading that article. And so it just totally surprised me and, and just shocked me in many ways that so many people were, um, you know, I think many people were just uh, looking for a bit of a change in the media. And that was a very kind of refreshing tone that I took in that article, uh, writing about these things in a way that you wouldn't normally see in the New York Times or the, the Washington Post or the Atlantic. But in terms of the backlash, I, I, I yeah, I, I wasn't really anticipating anything. I, I was really surprised the way certain people responded. You know, certain people, like I thought there was a trust, a mutual trust, a, a deeper friendship that transcended any kind of political or ideological division. But clearly that wasn't the case. Clearly some people prioritize political affiliations and ideological viewpoints over these deep social uh, and and in some cases familial bonds for other people mm, mm. with certain families that get torn apart due to these things. Like I, I know friends who are against vaccine mandates or you know, they just don't want to get the vaccine for whatever reason, legitimate or not. And their families have been like, just severely divided along this thing which which shouldn't really matter right you should be yes. able to love each other you should be able to get along despite these things but it's just it, uh, it, it i guess this is just what happens when just so many people are convinced that something is just so uh dangerous and such an existential and health risk to everybody without understanding any of the and you know well you, you know this certainly and we can talk about this but you know obviously the the, the risks that are stratified by age and various risk factors and health conditions. Like, like people are just not, 
aware about so many of these nuances when it comes to something like COVID and they just, they're, they're painting broad brushstrokes. And if you're not on their side, then you're, then you're the oppressor. It's, it's kind of the same cycles that we see like oppressor, oppressed, black versus white, uh, you know, white versus people of color, straight versus LGBTQ, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And we know those definitions are changing, obviously, when it comes to vaccinated, you know, soon double vaccinated people won't be considered fully vaccinated people. So it's just creating more and more, <laughs> it's just creating more and more uh, division. And it's just uh, really unhealthy for our society. Mm. And what role do you think the media has played in all that? Yeah, well, the media, they just have the incentive to create the most amount of fear when it comes to these things. It seems to be whether it's police brutality, which we know is rare, which we know doesn't just happen to black people walking on the streets. It, it, it normally happens to like when we, when we talk about police shootings, we know almost every case uh, with a few exceptions, which are horrible and police make mistakes and there are bad cops and all of that. But for the most part, it happens to people who are violently resisting arrest, people who have a long violent history who, you know, the police check up on them and they, and they just, they're just totally defiant and they're not obeying commands and they're doing uh, things that are dangerous in that case and police decide to shoot or, mm. or do other things. And so, so we know that like, that's a rare problem, but so many people um, look at that and then the media, they, they just uh, magnify and hyperbolize that issue and and then so people think that it just happens all the time when in reality it's it's so incredibly rare more rare than a lightning strike and then that specific case and same thing with covid right it's we we know how uh, how uh age stratified the risk is we know that if you're a healthy person under the age of let's say 40 um, but even like 50 if you're a healthy person with no comorbidities and you know you're you're exercising regularly and and you're taking care of your diet and you're supplementing on vitamin d and all these things um you have an an extremely low risk of ever being hospitalized with COVID or dying Mm. but there just seems to be like like people just look at these aggregate numbers it's the same kind of like statistical manipulation that you see with like police brutality statistics where here with COVID, it's like um it's like people present numbers like oh 90% 90% of uh, people in the ICU are unvaccinated in you know, certain statistics that I've seen. But it's like, hold on, okay, how many of those people were obese? How many of those people were over the age of 60? Then when you break it down, it's not people in the ICU are not healthy 30 or 40-year-old people with no comorbidities. It's older people and, and people with underlying health conditions. But once you only control for vaccine status, mm-hmm. you, you get these very skewed... Um, outcome similar in the way if you look only at in some places as well i mean there's places i said only in some places and at certain times as well there's places where there's places where 90 percent of people in the icu are are vexed yes right? but either way that in itself as a univariate it doesn't tell you the full picture right that's not telling you everything and then what's even considered vaccinated varies depending on where you are in some cases, what they'll consider someone who's only had one shot unvaccinated or if they've even had two, but it hasn't been two weeks, so on and so forth, depending on the city, the locality, the country, all of these things are counted very differently. Um, and something that's really weird with, and interesting with all of this that you're saying is that people seem to be far more interested in the narrative than the truth. 
And I don't know if this is something that's, I guess it's always existed to some degree in humanity from what I know about history. But certainly in my lifetime, it seems like now more than any other time I remember in my own life, people are almost afraid of the truth or offended by the truth. Like you're not supposed to tell the truth, even though you are a writer, you're a journalist, people don't really want you to tell the truth. People get angry at you for telling the truth. You could quote a statistic or have something with very clear data and people get mad at that. So what do you think is going on there? What, how do you think our societies reached this level in the UK, in Canada, in the USA, in Europe, in all of these different countries where the truth itself is considered controversial or something that must be buried or hidden? Yeah, yeah, I've been asked that question before, and I, I do struggle with that. I, I mean, there's just so much going on. It's there. There is a kind of uh, religiosity when it comes to uh, politics, social issues, and approaching the truth. Where it's you, you know, similar to if you meet certain uh, Christian fundamentalists, let's say, for example, and they. And, you know, they're super nice, compassionate people, but like they say, like, you know, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. You know, th this is the only way Or you meet people who are Hindu or Muslim. And, you know, they say their religion is right and everybody else is wrong. Right. Like that's just a, a fact. Right. No matter who you talk to, although there are many people and, and I would somewhat consider the, uh, myself to be in this category of more sort of universalist type people who sort of have a um, belief about like perennial truths and they're being this deep mystical realm that sort of transcends religion and, and, and uh, this mystical realm manifests in different religions and there's more in common than we think, et cetera. But, but similar to how uh, religious fundamentalists view that, that they are right and everybody else who doesn't follow their own, not, not only their religion, but their own reading of the scriptures. Like, so, you, you know, you even see division within Religions obviously leading to so much violence and, and and so many wars throughout history, but similar uh, in that way, you, you see that with uh, the media, you see that with COVID, you see that with racial issues. Like th like this is the way you have to do things. Like mm. the the vaccine is the way out of the pandemic. Like like Jesus is the way you know to get to heaven. You know view like th this is the one way of doing things, and so you see that same kind of religious thinking which in this case is just so uh toxic you know like the vaccine is the only way to prevent covid transmission you know even though we know that's very ineffective and uh in various other ways you you see the same pattern uh manifest and it's just it it's people are just just so close-minded i mean i i just I, I like to use the religion analogy there and think of why like certain people think that all the other religions are wrong or all other interpretations of their own religion are wrong and it's just that they're just so convinced that they're right and and so with covid just so many people are convinced that there is a massive existential lethal risk to covid well, sorry associated with covid to everybody that you have to get vaccinated and not getting vaccinated means that you are a sinner. You're, you're uh, damaging society in some way and you deserve to be locked down. And, you know, we can talk about what's happening in Europe with so many crazy authoritarian and full on tyrannical policy measures that are being implemented that I, 
you know, like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was very skeptical. I, I, I was hesitant to use the word tyrannical or authoritarian. Like I was early on, I was very much in the mindset of like, holy crap, that there might be a 7% uh, infectious mortality, infectious fatality rate here with COVID. And oh my God, we have to lock everything down. And all that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And even a few months afterwards, once we knew that it's not 7%, it's closer to, you know, whatever 0.001% fatality rate. Even then, I was like, let's not like jump to, uh, you know, interpreting lockdowns as authoritarian or whatever. And a lot of my conservative friends at the time were like, no, no, Rab, this is going to be forever. And this is authoritarian. I was like, no, come on, like, shut up, like, stop, like, listening to Alex Jones. Like, the government, the government's not that crazy. Turns out I, I was wrong. My interpretation yeah. was wrong. And here we are. A lot of people are like, Rab, I told you so. And I was like, yeah, I, I fully admit it. There, it's. <laughs> I was just totally wrong. I just underestimated the. But, but, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Rav, but what you've just said there is powerful because so few people are willing to do that. And I think that's a big part of the problem, right? It's this hubris, it's this ego, it's this unwillingness to say, hey, I got, I, I, I was wrong, you know? Like so few people whether you're talking about the public health officials or the politicians or the average Joe or Jane in the street, most people don't want to go, okay, I was wrong. Those people maybe who I thought were being uh, conspiracy theorists or who I thought were crazy or were too skeptical or whatever. Okay. Maybe they had a fair point and people don't want to do this. I think a huge problem we have in society is just, just lack of humility, lack of humility, right? I mean, look, everybody likes being Right. We all want to be right. Of course, every belief that we have, we think is right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it. And so it's natural to want to defend your positions. But also, it takes a lot of character. And I massively respect people who are able to take in new information and just go, okay, I'm going to update based off of this new information. And time goes on and people learn. And I think that There are millions of people who are still operating. You were talking about how when this whole thing started, you know, you were afraid there could be potentially a, you know, 7% infection fatality rate. I think in some sources they were saying it was as high as, you know, 4%, 5%, 6%, so on. But a lot of people, even though we're almost two years removed from that now, people are still behaving and acting off of that initial information. The way people are responding to this is is if it's a 7%. IFR, which we know it's not. It's not even remotely close to that. Um, but people don't want to admit that. It's very, it's very strange. I also think there's an interesting psychological thing here, which is maybe similar to the concept of anchoring in sales, which is that the first thing people hear and are led to believe kind of becomes an anchor. So that that's their reference point. So even if new information comes out of that, it's hard to get them out of that initial belief. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if at the beginning they had said, I don't know the I don't know the official number. I know it massively depends on demographic, but if they had said, I don't know, point one five IFR rate or whatever, rather than five percent, if that had come out like early, then I think that would be the sort of software people are generally operating on. But I think because people were so scared so early and some people were seeing the propaganda videos coming out of China, people dropping dead, this and that. And so 
that sort of level of fear and hysteria that was set in them back in February, March 2020, even though it's now December 2021 as we record this, there's still something in them that is still stuck on that previous information. I mean, everyone who wants to be vaccinated has now been vaccinated multiple times by this point, but people are still, there are people who are more scared now than they were 18 months ago or just as scared, which does not make any, doesn't make any sense at all from a, from a purely rational and logical and scientific standpoint. But as you said, we're now running on pure emotion and, you know, I've used the religious analogy before these days. I'm more, I, I call it more, more like a cult with the way people are cutting off their friends and their family and this and that. I, I think it's, 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 it's closer to a cult these days. Um, but that's really the realm of psychology that we're in rather than rationality and logic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot there that was interesting that you just said. I, I do prefer the religious analogy in this case because um, it's uh, it's sort of a COVID theocracy, if you will. Like cult implies that it's a fringe group. Religion implies that it's a bigger group that dominates to some extent. And with COVID, we know it's just it's not the the hysteria, the fear of COVID is not just on the fringes of the far left or the far right. It's mainstream science, like it's or it's it's mainstream perceived science. And I, I hate the way people use that word science. It's um, you know there's a term out there that somebody coined like scientism. You know this kind of religious approach to science. You know, like it's yeah. I think um, yeah. I think I should write about this at some point. The the religious <laughs> overlaps here, but it's. It's it very much operates in the way that a religion would operate, and and I'm not actually atheist or anti-religious in the slightest. Um, I'm I'm just not uh, committed to like one faith in, in particular. But it's religion sort of operates on like this is the truth that we know, and you you have to take it at its word. It's not about evolving or updating it necessarily. It's about like this is the way it is, and there's different interpretations of it. But it's not about Every hundred years, the scripture is going to evolve and transform. But but science, on the other hand, is about that. It's like you're told something. This is a hypothesis. This is something you've studied. Now it's a matter of testing that over and over again and disproving old ways of understanding particle physics or the way viruses propagate and then figuring out new ways of how these things um, actually uh, function through the use of new technology and all these things. But it's like we, we've held on to some of these very rigid ideas about COVID. And this fear is just like embedded within the psyche in a way where it's just like this like deep trauma in a way of like COVID, COVID, oh my God, like this is a real risk. And like getting rid of that is just so difficult. It's a kind of like a, some sort of a COVID PTSD or something. Like people are just traumatized by this thing. And, and you're right about humility too, by the way. Like I, this is why I encourage people to engage in, you know, over the pandemic, we saw so much, uh, decline in uh, just just sanity is one way of putting it, but we, we saw people's intuitions and their their reliance on so many of the institutions in society just disintegrate, and that was just so it just created so much stress and anxiety and depression and existential angst about the future, about like what's going to happen and like all these like big picture questions. And so I, I encourage people early on to like, if you're interested, like go to the church or go to the temple or 
for, for me, it's like doing meditation or, and, you know, we can talk about that later if you want about psychedelics and other spiritual things. But it, it seems to be that there is a spiritual void, that there is a void of, of uh, meaning that people are filling with this new COVID religion. Yes. There, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff there, man. I mean, human psychology is such a fascinating thing and as frustrating as this whole past uh 22 months or whatever it's been by now has been it's really been a master class for those who choose to pay attention in terms of learning about both individual and collective human psychology because the the behavior we've seen has just been it's so interesting um i think anyone who's looking at this purely in the realm of virology or epidemiology is is totally missing the main uh, science at play which is which is psychology and i believe that the powers that be know that the, the media knows that the governments know that um the people policing this know that and it's really just playing off of human psychology um it's playing off of tribalism i think it's also playing off of as you said you know you've touched on the the meaning and purpose aspect i think also the the community aspect and I also think that it's, I think a lot of it is also about social status. As we know, human beings are social animals and we strive for social status. And one way that you can elevate your status is by doing something that is genuinely uh, virtuous, genuinely courageous or impressive or a feat of athleticism or something creative, doing something that benefits your society and your community and and so on um so i think that that's been a big part of the the mask cultism and the vaccine cultism this is not saying everyone who wears a mask or takes the shot is participating in the cult but the people who virtue signal about it and who who never shut up about the mask and the status and this and that and also another way to raise your social profile is to try to demonize or push down other people right so screaming at the people who aren't wearing the mask or the people who are not taking the vax or doing this or that i think this is again i don't know if people how i don't know whether or not people are doing this consciously but i think they're they're jousting for social status right so the person who's there who's, who's triple vast and double masked he is in his mind he's he's a he's a better person first of all but also he's he's kind of above you right he's above you because you're not doing that and you're not and even if you are doing it you're not shouting about it you're not evangelizing as hard as he is so this comes back to that religious angle so you are you know he, he considers himself above and i think that mm, if you look mm. at the people who really get into this kind of behavior in many cases honestly it's people who are pretty low status, right? They're, they're people who haven't really achieved anything impressive or like done anything. They're not strong, they're not bold, they're not courageous, they're not creative. They're just like, oh, I can just do this thing and all of a sudden I'm a hero. You know, I remember early on when you had people saying things like, oh, this is our generation's World War II. And I'm like, man, if, if, if that's true, then we really are the softest generation. <laughs> <laughs> in the world because i i see footage of world war ii and i'm like holy crap man like these these people are these people are bold and courageous now people think that oh you know sitting in your home for a year with um you know a, a mask on 
and not going outside is on the same level as storming a beach or fighting in trenches or you know facing the blitz or whatever it is so it's it's all interesting i think there's a lot of interesting ideas and writing that is coming out of all this and also will i think i think it for the future i think people are going to come back to this period just like we look at history i think people are going to really psychoanalyze everything that was going on here especially when the emotions calm down and it becomes more it becomes less taboo to do so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you you see more and more vaccinated people and people who are sort of following the status quo now wake up and realize that the the double vaccination was not going to end the pandemic. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it should have ended the pandemic in that the people who are at risk of actually dying or getting hospitalized for the most part um, although that seems to be somewhat changing, but it, it remains true that if you're over a certain age and you know you're at risk of death from COVID, you get double vaccinated. Like my grandparents, who I encourage, you know, get the vaccine because they were overweight and had heart conditions and diabetes and so many problems. And I was like, okay, you need to get this. And then, yeah. and then they were hesitant, but I was like, I feel like you need to get this, and they did, and you know, no side effects, which is good. And you know, now I'm not worried about them, but but it it's 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 incredible to me how just the double vaccination the whole vaccine campaign was not enough it's still not enough it's not like like we know that the people who get it they're now their risk of dying you know let, let's say the people who are at risk over the age of 50 or 60 now their risk of dying has been uh severely or sorry or significantly reduced due to their uh, vaccination status and that's good and so now we should go back to normal. The people who are at risk, they've had the opportunity to get the vaccine and, you know, to protect them, that, you know, good for them. But for the rest of us, I still don't understand what the point is of still locking down and having vaccine mandates. I mean, we know that we know the vaccines don't stop transmission. And after about. Yeah. Sorry, so to, sorry to jump in there. Have you have you seen the new Twitter policy on this? No, that they made this that they made this month. They they updated their policy on this very quietly, really? very quietly, and included in that is you're not allowed to make claims that the vaccine does not stop transmission. Really? <laughs> yeah. After after we finish talking, I'm, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you their new their new um, policy. They updated it less than two weeks ago, and it is scary. It's like Ministry of Truth nonsense, like. There's stuff there that is factual, like factual, very verifiable, factual, and it's in their policy that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to say it or like it, it's under their category of misinformation. Um, I don't know if and how they're enforcing this, but um, it's actually really concerning. I'll send it to you. Yeah, no, that that's that makes no sense. I mean, there's there's no need to even go in, into any examples. <laughs> this, this is common sense. I mean, there was yeah. a. I mean, just to say like one example, there's a top uh, NHL team, National Hockey League team, the Ottawa Senators, they're 100% vaccinated and 40% of their team just tested positive for COVID. Like, <laughs> like, I know even with the whole Omicron thing, right? Like everyone who um, got it initially was was vaccinated. It, it's very weird. I mean, the CDC is open that about even, even Lord Fauci himself um, is open about that, the NHS over here, et cetera, but it's in the Twitter policy that 
you're not that that is misinformation so that that's just i'm just bringing that up to show how weird this whole thing has become yeah no that that's just wow that's insane now i'm gonna <laughs> you've given me a headache now you you make me i'm just co constantly this covid stuff just drives me crazy because I, I think like now it actually affects my life like at the beginning of the pandemic when it was lockdowns like i'm already like a you know a writer at home you know like mostly and you know i, I don't really like that about myself i do want to you know get out there more and do more exciting things but i was always sort of in the home you know reading writing studying you know working out and whatever and, and and gyms were closed at the beginning but then they were open again so that was fine and so i was like okay if we're doing lockdowns based on the precautionary principle that that we're you know we're just saving covid lives uh, preventing covid deaths at all costs like okay fine let's do it let's do it and then i got to a certain point where it's like th th there's no end to this stuff at all and it's just like with um there's a point I'm just going to make, which I'm uh, is escaping me about. Oh yeah, so it's it's affecting my life now in ways that I I, I never I never could have anticipated. Like I just came from the U.S. and I did a few podcasts there, Adam Carolla, Dr. Drew, Tim Pool, and I came back and and, and first of all, I almost didn't make it back. By the way, <laughs> what, what do you mean you almost didn't make it back? Like I was at the airport and and the rules are just so confusing. But but basically uh, on November thirtieth or rather starting November 30th, unvaccinated people in Canada can no longer travel by air, train, or even uh, many buses. They're, they're just locked where they are. They can't travel internationally or within the borders on an airplane. And I, I had left like just the, the day before Biden's mandate kicked in for entry into the U.S. I think I, I got there like November 6th and November 7th was the uh, date starting which you had to be vaccinated to enter the U.S., and so I got there and, and th there's a lot of um, uh, uh, convoluted information, a lot of specifics that we don't have to get into. But basically, you know, I did my trip. I was there for a few weeks. Then on my way back, I, I should have been able to, to, to get home from Washington, D.C. to Toronto to Vancouver. And from Washington to Toronto, I was fine um, because I'm a Canadian citizen. Otherwise, uh, people who... Uh, are not Canadian citizens who are unvaccinated are not able to enter the country. But if you're a Canadian citizen and you have a connecting flight, you can come in. But basically I got to Toronto and then I had a flight to Vancouver and it looks like I misread the COVID test rules. I had to do another COVID test, even though I'd done two that week already, but they were like, no, there's another one you have to do. Yeah. Makes no sense. There's so much I could like, say about it. And then on the airplane, by the way, I had my mask underneath my nose because I, I actually have a deviated septum and I have, I had really bad nasal congestion that day. And, and I never protest these things at all. Like I just follow the rules. I don't mean to cause any other further uh, issues or, you know, disturb any other employees who are just following rules or whatever. But then uh, apparently somebody reported on me twice for having my mask underneath my nose. And then they gave me a notice saying that, that you are going to be reported to the federal authorities and they may pursue what? penalties, some sort of investigation on you. And you may no longer be able to fly on American airlines for the crime of having my mask underneath my nose. And not to say like almost everybody on that flight's vaccinated, if not everybody what except me. On earth? And, and I was, and everybody's tested negative for COVID, including myself. I don't have COVID. There's no, like, it, it makes no sense. Right. And then once I got to Toronto, um, they, 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 it was, it was crazy. It was like, I, I met this one, I had to rebook my flight and stay in Toronto for another night. Cause I had to get my COVID test done. 
And then this one lady, the Air Canada employee, she was like, no, no, you can't go because you're not vaccinated. You can't go back home. Like, there's no chance. And then I went to another guy who was working there and he was like, no, no, you can come. And they're like debating back and forth. And I'm about to miss my flight because they can't figure their shit out because these rules are so insane and ridiculous. And then, and then finally, like the, the woman was like, I talked to my, I talked to this public health official at the airport and he's like, you can't go. But then this guy who was just like, I just so much like respect for him. Like he, he, he saved the day. He, he was, he was on my side. He was like, like, like this guy's like having a hard time. He used to get home. And then he went and he had to beg the, the manager for air Canada who was there. He went, he took another 15 minutes. Meanwhile, I was anxiously waiting, like what the fuck is going on? He had to beg the manager to let me on. And he told me, he's like, Rav, like, I just gave you a massive favor. If it wasn't for me, if I didn't beg to the manager to let you on this plane, you would have been stuck here. And so that was just like a, a divine intervention from God. You know, I, <laughs> it, was just, it was just crazy the way that happened. I, I almost didn't make that plane. I almost didn't get home. And if, if that guy wasn't there who saved my life in that case... <laughs> Would, would not would not getting home be the worst thing? I'm like, man, I don't think I'd want. I don't think, don't think I'd. I think I would have left Canada more than a year ago if I was from there. Yeah, well, I'm still young. I'm still 20. I don't have the yeah the capital to, to move out at this point. And I, I mean, I you, if I if I couldn't have gotten home, I would have uh, maybe like rented a car and drove home. Although <laughs> I mean, it's it's snowing and there's like horrible conditions in highways across uh, the east coast and the west coast. So driving would have been extremely risky. And I wouldn't have gotten vaccinated because of this. I would have ne- never submitted to that. I've never compromised my own medical decisions based on these draconian, tyrannical uh, policies in place. Most likely, I would have just stayed and it would have costed me a hell of a lot of money. I would have had to borrow money from my dad, obviously. But anyways, that's just summarizing this insanity. And then, and now there's more insanity. Now I'm, I'm locked down for two weeks here in Canada. Can't leave my house, even though I did just sort of I drove away 10 minutes you know, to come here because my Wi-Fi wasn't working in my place. But I haven't been able to, I'm not you know, risking it or anything. So I haven't been able to work out for two weeks, even though I've tested negative like three times since I've gotten here, by the way. But I still can't leave. I still can't do everything for two weeks, which is driving me insane, especially like working out at a gym. I just, it's been really frustrating. I don't know how anyone still believes this is about health. I never did. <laughs> I, off the bat, I was like, nah, this is, this is this ain't making sense. But like at this point, when I hear this stuff, and look, I, I'm, I'm in the UK right now. I've been traveling a lot over the last few months. So I've actually been to seven, seven different countries during this whole situation. And it's yep. led to a lot of very interesting insights. But why do you think that Canada has been so ridiculous with it all? Um, because it's been one of the worst countries with this probably not maybe not the worst um you know australia new zealand a couple spots in europe are giving it a run for its money but why do you think canada has been so number one why do you think it's been like that and number two would you have predicted that um well first of all our leader is a total moron um I don't know if there needs any other elaboration, but it's just... He, <laughs> but you guys just, vote for him, right? Pardon? But you guys vote for him. Yeah, we do, because we're... <laughs> we've been indoctrinated by this insane COVID regime, this liberal, uh, you know, liberal. she... People need to stop calling it liberal, because this is the most illiberal yeah. thing. This is no. the most illiberal thing in the world. 
honestly yeah. this is, uh, like i actually I've, I've, i just correct people on that now when people are like oh yeah it's super i'm like no this is not liberal like i'm i'm the one being liberal here like none of this this is fascism this is not liberalism yeah yeah like i'm i you know I'm, I'm in university right now and when we've been studying like liberalism conservatism and it's like like what this is liberalism like why like what the hell <laughs> this is not liberalism it's not even conservatism either it's, it's weird because i'm like this is like hyper illiberal and sorry this is this is very anti-liberal and very anti-conservative simultaneously like this is actual like fascism by the proper definition not that not the definition of oh this is just something i disagree with so i'm going to call it fascist but like actually fascist in terms of ultra high authoritarian levels of control by the state and direct cooperation and force between the state and uh private businesses right like you are forcing people to become a customer <laughs> of a like, right you, you you should not your freedom and rights should never be dependent on you becoming a customer of any for-profit company let alone one which makes stuff that you have to inject into into your bloodstream like that's not that ain't liberalism that ain't conservatism like that that's not how it's supposed to work and oh which by the way your 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 taxpayer money funded the creation of the product which they're now mandating and which is making a lot of very very rich people very uber ultra rich like the whole thing is just this tangled web of like the, the the coordination between the government and big pharma and the media on this i'm sure you've seen all the sponsored by pfizer sponsored by pfizer right like Not to you by the pfizer whole, the whole thing i'm just like guys like what on earth is this right like if anything it should be people on the left who are like super against this like this this <laughs> this is like the most illiberal most Corp, crony cap like no crony corporatism like state like yeah. public private sector alliance just to like make billions and billions and billions of dollars all across the globe um and and when you when you're talking to the stage of mandates like look i'm, I'm a capitalist like i'm all for people making selling products and services and, and making their money but it would be the equivalent of me like mandating that like <laughs> No, nobody in the country is allowed to sort of like have their basic rights and unless they become unless unless they buy my merchandise. Like if you do not have an OK Dude T-shirt, then no, you can't go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, or, or, the or like you if you're talking in terms of like health conditions, like you could. This is a point <laughs> that I made actually when talking about vaccine mandates on police departments and the dangers of doing that, especially given that homicide is on the rise and there are. Like in many police departments, like 5, 10, 15% of the department who are not vaccinated or reporting their vaccine status and losing those officers on top of a historic homicide rise in places like Chicago, places like uh, 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 Austin, Texas just broke their homicide record. Philadelphia just did. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, sorry, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um and uh, one of the points I made in that article for City Journal was like we we don't we we don't mandate people having like a healthy weight for police officers. Like I've seen like overweight, fat police officers. Like we would oh, yeah. like that's your that's decision. Like problem, yeah. Like like and we don't mandate people supplement on vitamin D or zinc. And we know certain st studies showing that like no money in that rav. No money. Pardon? There's no money in that. 
yeah ex- exactly there's there's no money in that right but we, we don't mandate like we, our government doesn't f- operate on the basis of individual people living the healthiest lifestyles right we just don't do that because because that is also that in itself is also somewhat subjective like uh, like the, like the petersons follow the carnivore diet and you know that's best for them i follow a prescatarian diet so just vegetables and seafood no dairy uh i, I do eggs but no dairy no Wait, red so, meat no poultry hmm? so you're saying people should be allowed to choose what goes in their body yeah like if that's not like too you know you so, know so you're anti that must make you anti something yeah like <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> uh, i've been told i'm anti something because i think people yeah man be it's... able to, to choose what they eat and what medicines they take and so on. yeah anti-science or anti-food. yeah i don't know what i think i think the hysteria has just been like the, the black lives matter hysteria i think was not as severe or as well that was pretty bad too the racial sort of reawakening across like from critical race theory to defund the police to all these different like movements that propped up that was horrible but this is like now it's like like mandates right it's not just a social problem with blm it was Definitely like property destruction in many cases and violence, but it, it the, many of the problems and ramifications were social uh, and political in nature. Now this is like like actual like stuff you want to inject in your body, and I'm just I like I don't have the words to describe like like how insane this is. Like I, I just feel you know I've never really been like super political like in high school or even like with BLM stuff. Like I was always about like okay like like super like common sense, like like not red versus blue, not liberal versus conservative, more just like, okay, here are the ways we can reform the police and we can improve them. Here are ways that we shouldn't be, you know, disincentivizing them from doing their jobs, like, like very common sense, like nuanced stuff. And like with this, like all the nuance has been thrown away. And it's like, like when I talk to people, I feel like they think I'm Alex Jones. I feel like they think I'm insane. Like saying common sense stuff, like it's just, like it feels like, am I the wrong one? Am I like mentally ill right now? Like it's just like people look at you when you say, you know, like like vaccines, like they don't stop transmission. Their 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 efficacy is very short lived, like a few months, like seven eight months tops. You know, maybe a bit more in terms of stopping transmission. And like here are the examples of a hundred percent vaccinated hockey team, forty percent of which just got you know COVID. Like this isn't anything new. Um, but it's just like people they. It's like the mainstream media just kind of filters a certain kind of information. And so like when you talk to people about like myocarditis, for example, or menstrual bleeding in women after the vaccine, a lot of people just don't even know. Like they're like, what? Like, no, it's, yeah. it's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. Like they just say that as some kind of like religious mantra, like safe and effective. But like they don't know that there are real side effects here that have been studied. But they're, they're just following like the the mainstream media narrative that just says it's safe and effective and just close your eyes and get the shot. And if you, if you, if you develop a, a, an adverse reaction that has long-term consequences, then, you know, sorry, too bad. Then reporting it sometimes can be difficult and people don't take you seriously. They're, you know, vaccine companies are not liable for long-term damages and all these things. Like it's just crazy. What's, what's happening right now. It's crazy. And it's even crazier that people are, feeling like they cannot talk about it openly. I'm not aware of any other medicine or medical procedure or intervention where it is considered taboo to talk about side effects. I can't think of one, right? Any other medicine, any surgery, think th- think of all the stuff that's out there, right? It's people talk about the, the negative side effects, right? Whether it's a, 
a birth control pill or an aspirin or an ibuprofen or any surgery, it's totally fair game to talk about potential downsides and potential risks. It's not only okay to talk about it, it's good to, it's ethical. If you're gonna have a medical intervention or you're gonna take anything, a basic tablet that's available over the counter, you should know what the side effects are. In fact, if it's advertised, they have to tell you what the potential side effects are. That's when you get those long disclaimers, either written or when they speak really fast. And that's why, because it's all about informed consent. That's like one of the most basic tenets of medicine. And I think something that's so strange is, um, I don't know, I, it seems like people have forgotten. It seems like people have forgotten stuff very, very quickly, right? Like, I think if you were to go back to 2019, if you were to go back two years ago, and you were to tell, say some of these people who you said have, have been attacking you or even disassociating themselves from you because, you know, you're not in favor of mandates or whatever it is. I believe if you were to tell these people, if you were to, if you were to tell the 2019 version of themselves what they would be supporting in 2021, I think people would be disgusted with themselves. I think they'd be real. I, I don't think they'd even believe you. I think they'd be like, nah, like, come on, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. That's not, that's not fair. That's not ethical. Right. And all of a sudden people have become unpaid shills for uh, Pfizer, Moderna <laughs> and J and J, right? Like, like people are acting as if they're like, they're, they're, they're the acolytes. They're the apostles for these companies. I mean, which, which is great for these companies, man. I mean, such an enthusiastic fan base, but it's very weird, right? If you were to tell people like, look, vaccination is not new. It's not new. What is new is the behavior and like you said, this religiosity around all of it. Masks aren't new. Viruses aren't new. Diseases aren't new. Vaccines aren't new. We've had the flu. We've had colds. We've had all kinds of things our entire lives and way before that. But even again, even in 2019, if someone was like harassing you about your flu vac status, right? You'd be like, what are you even like? What a weird question. You go in a restaurant, they're like, have you had your flu vaccine? You'd be like, what on earth are you talking about? Like, what's wrong with you? Right? Or if someone was saying, oh, I uninvited someone from my wedding or from my party, because they didn't get their they didn't get their flu shot this year. You'd be like, are you, what? Like, what are you even talking about, right? And so all of this stuff has been normalized, which should never be, from lockdowns to masks to to the vaccines to all of this stuff and this whole culture that's been created about them. I'm like, I'm like, guys, none of this is normal, right? Like, I'm, I'm like, this is not normal. Like, this is very very weird, right? I've been around for a few decades. We never did any of this before, right? Not because there was no disease or because no one ever infected anybody or nobody ever had a cough or a sneeze or was sick. We, we, we didn't do any, any of this. That whole story you were talking about getting back home from Canada, it's like, what? The whole thing is just mind blowing. And the fact that it's happening in all these different countries and everything, it's, it's so weird to me. It would, be, it would be very funny if the consequences were not serious, right? Like if, if it were just like a big joke and it didn't really matter in the long term, then I would find the whole thing hilarious. And I, I, I always do make jokes about it. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, guys, this is this is serious, right? The precedents that are being set, even the concept of a lockdown, right? If someone said lockdown to you in, in December 2019, you, you would have probably thought of like uh, something in a prison when the, the prisoners get really rowdy and they, they lock down the prison. And now 
all these governments around the world now have this tool at their disposal. It's been normalized. Mm -hmm. This concept that you can just shut down the country, force peaceful citizens who are not guilty of any crime, just put them on house arrest, stop them going outside, stop them seeing their family, stop them uh, having Christmas or having Thanksgiving or whatever it is, and that, and that they'll also actually do it. That to me is like crazy because then they can just make up any emergency. They get oh climate emergency, lockdown. Oh this emergency, lockdown. Oh there's a new new Delta triple Omicron triple plus variant, lockdown again, <laughs> right? And and because it's been allowed multiple times, it, it's easier for them to do it. It's just like it's a new trick that they have now, and um, yeah. I don't think people have thought about this long term. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I was looking on Pfizer's website to see if, if they're hiring right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to work for the devil, man. Don't do it. Listen, hey, if Pfizer's hiring, man, I mean, that, that seems don't like do a it. good don't, don't do it, man. future do it. promising career in Pfizer. I mean, I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I could become a millionaire overnight by working for Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer, if you're watching, if you're looking for an intern or a, a guy who can write words pretty well, like I'll, I'll write about how safe and effective don't, and. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Hey, if it's for money, I'll, I'll, I'll sell my my, my no, soul man, to the devil. I'll, I'll, no, 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 man. I'll I'll, I'll employ you before that. Um, <laughs> do you know something? Do you know something interesting? I've noticed with with all these little things is I've noticed that it, it's often three word phrases. I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed that pattern. Oh, okay. Safe and effective. Black lives matter. Home, practice social distancing. Oh, yeah. Black lives oh, matter. But, okay. Well, you know, wash your hands. Wear a mask take the vaccine like it's it's these three oh, okay. word I, I wonder if there's something in the human psychology that makes like three word slogans or mottos mm. like more memorable or repeatable i've noticed through this whole thing it's it's always three word three word commands and i don't know if there's something to that it could be random but i've noticed that it's these three word things that people can just repeat and parrot and not really have to think about. They just repeat those three word phrases and that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, with, with uh, certain religions, like Eastern religions, there are like, like mantras, you know, like there's uh, Om Namo Shivaya in, in Hinduism. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a, again, the, the, the religion analogy, like it, it is, it is a really good one here. It's very apt because it, it's uh, like, you know, you look at countries where, you know, it's a, it's a theocracy. It's it's religious religious fundamentalism dominates the government, and in that case, like you have to follow this. You know, like in Islamic republics, it's like you have to follow this reading of the Quran, and you have to follow this ideology. And if you don't, you know, then if you're gay, you're going to get thrown off a building. If you're a woman and you're you know dressing liberally, that's a crime. You know, same thing here. Like it's it's very similar. Hello, like, pardon? I said hello, Iran. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a similar way, like with a burqa, for example, like this this garment that you wear, uh, you know, over your head. You know, it's like the, the mask is also like a religious thing now. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you, you know, you wear this to show your religious affiliations to the, you know, the the you know, making progress in the pandemic and uh, eradicating COVID, which is just a mirage, by the way. People like actually, people actually think, by the way, that through mask wearing and vaccination. Or any of these other interventions that you can actually just end COVID. It's like, no, that's not real, guys. I know. Stop thinking about this pure fiction. It, it, it's bizarre because these are the people who think that they are pro science. And they'd listen to us and be like, these guys are science deniers. These guys are anti science. Meanwhile, they don't believe in natural immunity. They think you can spread a disease that you don't even have. 
they think that a random piece of cloth that's full of holes and gaps around the side is going to magically stop this. They think that the virus stops while you're eating and only attacks you in the entrance of restaurants. They think that you can catch it, drive, like, they think you need to wear a mask while you're in your car by yourself or walking down the street outside alone. Like, like I've never seen so much anti-scientific nonsense masquerading as science. Um, and it makes no sense. Even this whole thing, right? I mean, look, I've made the point before and I had a viral tweet where I said that everyone who's still afraid of COVID is fully vaccinated, which number one is true. But number two, this whole... <laughs> number That's a good two, tweet. Yeah, this whole idea that like unvaccinated people, unvaccinated, well, firstly, there's this whole conflation now of unvaccinated equaling diseased and infectious. But beyond that, this notion that unvaccinated people are like posing some huge lethal threat to vaccinated people, like what, like, do you, do you think it works or not? Right? Because that, that's, that's the actual anti-vax position is because you're insinuating and strongly suggesting that the thing doesn't work because if it does, why would someone who's taken it be afraid of someone who hasn't, right? I've, I've had the Rona. I've got very strong natural immunity. The notion that I should still be terrified of the virus itself, let alone just other people is crazy, right? I'm like, well, I've got immunity. Even if I, even before I did, I wasn't afraid, but like I've got immunity. So what am I, you know, why, why would I be running around trying to make things stricter and tougher and trying to force people to do this? And it doesn't even, it's like they're betraying their own point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it makes no sense at all. I'm just, I'm at a loss of words for many, many of these issues. Like I, I don't understand where people are getting this information from. You know, it's not just like we podcasters or bloggers or alternative media people are, are saying this. It's like, mm. I, I interview people. I, I think you had on, did you have on Martin Kuldroff? Yeah. Martin Kuldroff. Yeah. Yeah. A great guy. Like, like he's common sense, like real, you know, actual objective information. I'm yeah. sure you guys talked about vaccine mandates and yeah, he's yeah. totally against it. Right. Him and, uh, Jay Bhattacharya at Stanford. I don't know if you've talked to him before. No, not yet. We follow each other, but I haven't spoken to him. Already. Yeah, he's a great guy. I, I've interviewed him several times, and and you know he, it's like it's it's very interesting because I've I've had a very hard time publishing articles about COVID. By the way, like I've only published one article, and even like getting that was like so so they, different. They, they don't accept them. They don't. And I, I I'm not going to jeopardize my career and name any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm not going to name the publications. I'm not oh, going yeah, like, yeah, no, like, to wrap people yeah. up. But, but I'm just going to say, writing about COVID, even like in publications that were supposed to be like conservative or open-minded or open to free speech, are just like shutting out any dissent that's against mandates or talking about like myocarditis. Wow. So I've written, I've written like three thousand words on myocarditis. I have like two articles. One is like a really long one about myocarditis. I've sent it so many places they won't publish it and. And there are places that I've gotten offers from, okay, like very right-wing places. But I'm just like, as an independent journalist, I'm not going to sacrifice my position as somebody who's independent. I, I'm not going to start writing. Like, like I, I love Ben Shapiro and I've done his show, by the way, and the, the Daily Wire is great. But but writing for the Daily Wire, like an offer that I've gotten, I mean, like they, they take freelance work from anybody, like if, if it's good and if it's, if it's of quality. But it's just like for me as an independent writer, it's just like I, I don't feel comfortable like just writing for, you know, an organization that 
even though if I largely agree or, you know, agree with many things that Ben Shapiro says and appreciate him and respect him and all that, but it's like, you know, writing for something that's explicitly like, like Ben Shapiro says, this is a conservative organization yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, all their hosts, they supported Trump and like, that's their thing. And, you know, great, you know, good on them, but it's like writing for them. For me, I just don't like that as an independent journalist. I, I'd rather write for an outlet, whether it's left. You'd rather, you'd rather write for Pfizer. I'd rather write for Pfizer and make a million dollars, <laughs> move to Los Angeles, move to a disintegrating city, and get a house right beside the homelessness crisis. That was crazy watching that in LA. Like it was, um, I actually had a really good time in LA. It was interesting because, you know, not to like discount any of the crime issues, but it's like, I, I just had a really good time there. Like I, I loved it there because it was so novel for me. And I, I wasn't being robbed at gunpoint that which, which actually happened close by in a place in because i was in venice i don't know if you've been to venice before mm-hmm. really 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 nice there but apparently like the, there's certain areas that are really really sketchy in venice yeah. and i think it was just like days after i was there there was some robbery at gunpoint and my friend her house has been uh, uh robbed when she was on vacation and there's just so many uh issues with respect to like just certain policies that are implemented and like forget unintended consequences the intended consequences aren't even understood like if you decriminalize you know theft under whatever nine hundred dollars like this is the outcome that's going to happen like do you not understand human behavior but this is like this sort of utopian thinking on the left that they don't understand how human incentives work they don't understand if you tell the police that we're going to defund you and that you're racist and you're evil and white supremacist that they're going to stop doing their jobs they're going to pull back from proactive policing and you're going to have a record number of officers that resign or leave the force and go on PTSD leave and there's going to be a rise in crime and this shortage of police officers, like all these things are predictable human behavior stuff, but it's just like people on the left, they don't understand basic human psychology. That's why with some of the people, especially the people in power, I believe that they're malicious. I don't give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't believe that these are people who don't know what they're doing. And I don't think this is incompetence. I think it's malice. I think that they know exactly what's going to happen if you defund the police. They know exactly. How can you not know what's going to happen if you make it basically legal to steal up to $900? Everyone, like, that's not incompetence to me. Incompetence is voting for people who do that. Um, but I think that the people who do it know exactly what they are doing. I think that this is a controlled demolition of certain cities and certain aspects of society. That's my position. I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt, but you can't do that for years on end as they continue to destroy a place. Um, And it's sad, I think, you know, I was in LA recently as well, twice. And I've described LA and California in general as a great city run by terrible people, right? Like LA is cool. LA has so many things going for it. Under the right leadership and governance, LA could easily still be like one of the most desirable places to live in the entire world not not just in the usa the weather is great the scenery is great you've got the beach you've got all this space there's so much creativity and you've got a large like there's so much going for it but it's just like they're just running it into the ground and it would again it wasn't like that my whole life you know la's always had issues but in the past decade especially with the homelessness and the drug addiction and then with all these policies that they're putting in place and all the stuff they're doing in the schools, all, all of this stuff. I'm just like, man, this is a, I, I'm convinced you, you're, you're trying to drive people out of the city and you're succeeding with it because the population is, is dropping. The California population has been growing my entire life. And finally, 
it's dropping. When I was in uh, Texas, like every every fourth or fifth person I met was from California, and I was and most of them had moved wow. in the past couple of years. Um, of course, you've got very high profile examples of that as well. Um, you know, Joe Rogan being probably one of the biggest ones, but it's happening on mass. And then as they go crazy with all the COVID policies and you know, mandatory jabs for freaking five year olds, like all of that stuff, it's just like. Yeah, you know, but but then I, it's also hard for me to feel sorry for it because they have an opportunity to change it. You know, they had the recall election, and um, people overwhelmingly voted to uh, keep keep uh, keep Newsom in. And then he, I, I swear that the day after that was when he announced the whole vaccine mandates, right? And it's just like, okay, well, if this is, I don't understand it, but if this is what the majority of people want. I mean, this is the this is the downsides of democracy, right? <laughs> where, where it's like, okay, um, you know, so a lot of sane people who are hanging on in LA, uh, some of them are staying and trying to fight it out, but a, a very large percentage of them are looking to leave. Right, right. I'm just surprised. Like, I'm not surprised by the government in many ways. Like, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. They're financially compromised with all these uh, investments, all these incentives from, uh, you know. Uh, the, the pharmaceutical companies and big pharma and all these things. And they're going to make decisions that are stupid, crappy and in their own interests. But I'm just surprised there's no, like there's no real like sort of revolutionary or like any kind of reaction from the people like, like Gavin, like Gavin Newsom should have lost by, by uh, a long shot. And he didn't, he won. Like, it's like, the government can only do what it does if the people let them. If the people decide enough is enough, Trudeau's a piece of shit who has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> if they decide he's talking about like we need to make this into a, 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 a you know Canada into a she covery and turn into she Canada. <laughs> it's like I'm watching TV. I feel like I'm watching like a Dave oh Chappelle special. You know, and and it's like like people don't care. Like he can go around like the like photos of him in blackface from years ago. You know, if, a, if you know if people found. If people found photos of of Trump in blackface or like Ben Shapiro, or like any conservative. Here, here's something funny. Have you noticed that not a single conservative, <laughs> not a single conservative I'm aware of, has ever been caught like doing the blackface thing? It's 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 always people on the left. <laughs> it's always people on the left. It's always these like hyper woke anti racist progressive types that it turns out some right. point in their life they decided to. <laughs> well, <laughs> I find that so funny. I find that so funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, liberals are, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, not to fix it, but like, but liberals are more like open to experience. Like, if they want to, like, 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 try to feel like, well, like, what is it to be black or what is it to be Indian? Like, do it. Hey, it's a wonderful life here, man. Like, you can, you know, it's pretty chill here. It's so funny, man. Yo, Rav, I know you've uh, you've got a Substack out. So tell us what you've got planned with the Substack and for the next couple months and even the next year coming up. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, briefly before I like get into a bit of it, um, have you done psychedelics before? Are you interested in that or no? No, I'm very, I'm very not into any type of drug at all. I don't drink alcohol. I've never smoked weed in my life. Right. I've never smoked a cigarette. Yeah. I'm very, very straight edge on all that. Me, me, me too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With exceptions. <laughs> me too. Me too. Up until like three months ago. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I, I, I just, um, and I've been brought up that way with a very religious household, uh, Sikh and Hindu, like my mom is more Hindu. My dad's more Sikh, very religious upbringing, you know, say no to drugs, drugs are bad. And I, I largely agree with that. I've never smoked weed. I, I do take, you know, I do drink beer, which is 
which is great. I, you know, I, I do like that, but I, I've never really done any recreational drug usage before. But something, I guess, happened in the pandemic. Maybe I've gone crazy potentially, and I, I'm, I'm deciding to, you know, take DMT. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say DMT, but no, I'm not taking DMT yet. I, but I basically, I'm just uh, just a very spiritually curious person and interested in mystical experience, interested in like altered states of consciousness. And I started reading up on psychedelics and listening to Jordan Peterson's lectures on it, actually, which are fascinating. Um, and also uh, Sam Harris's stuff on psychedelics is really, really interesting. Like he, he took MDMA and acid and mushrooms when he was like 19 and 20. And, and because of that, he was like so inspired by like the, the depths of the human mind that you just can't access in your ordinary waking consciousness that based off of those profound revelatory experiences that he said showed him things like unconditional love, like total immersion into the present moment, moment, which many people like, like they're just so lost in thought. They're just so like captured by their emotions and by political ideologies and all these external influences. And like, like just as his example, I think was very inspiring to me. Like he, he tried psychedelics and it just opened this like gateway into the mind that was so profound that he ended up spending 10 years in India meditating for like 10 years for like 10, five hours, <laughs> eight, 15 hours a day with Buddhist monks and like learning something about the human mind. And so I, I'm just very, I think I'm very he's liberal, funny, but he still doesn't understand why people voted for Trump. They eh? still got the TV. Well, <laughs> he needs more meditation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, the, that it, it is what it is. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't agree with him on, yeah. on many things. But when it comes I know, to like, I, know. I, I just find it strange. His, uh, yeah, as someone who's so uh, rational, yeah, I, I find that like, I, I don't get how after five years he still doesn't understand the other side of that equation. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but um. But yeah, with uh, with psychedelics, I'm just, I, I guess I'm, like I was saying, I'm very liberal in that regard. I'm very open to experience. Like, I'm just such a curious person. Like, I just want to, like, like travel and explore the world. And and now, in this case, now that I can't travel externally, like, the way that I've, um, the, the way that I've uh, actually conceptualized my Substack is a, a travel blog exploring the depths of the human mind through meditation, spirituality, and psychedelics. And so, I'm just, like, I'm just so like curious about new experiences and about like changing your perception and having a better understanding of, of human nature. And, and just like, I feel like there's just, and this is a part of the conversation I had with Jordan Peterson earlier this year. And that podcast is going to be released on January 22nd, actually, by the way, I just heard uh, his podcast I did with him and we were talking about how there's not like, we're not accessing like mystical experience in the West like that's just been lost within Christianity, within many religions. Like people are just living like hyper secularized lifestyles. And 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 you're you're Christian, right? Am I right? I'm Christian, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and even like that, like there's um, like certain people just feel like this very profound like spiritual practices. Like it's not happening enough within the church. And maybe in some churches it is, but there needs to be more of like this more spiritual grounding rather than just like read the Bible every you know once a week or whatever and just closing your eyes and then you know, participating in politics and social media and not actually living a spiritually engaged life, mm. which I think is very important. So the Substack that I've started is just based in this like hunger, hunger for mystical experience, this curiosity towards like, what is the human mind capable of? What, what is it that we're mi- missing on? What, what are we, what are some of the core insights into the mind that can be gained through spirituality, through psychedelics, which are non-addictive and 
have an extremely strong safety profile if you do it in the right conditions. And I've actually never done psychedelics, by the way, which is interesting. But okay. I'm, 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 uh, I've seeked out a, a trained guide. I, I highly recommend people don't self-experiment with this stuff. <laughs> so, um, not based on my experience, but based on what responsible people have told me. Like, sure. I've, I've seeked out a therapist in Vancouver, and we're going to be doing some guided sessions with, with MDMA. First of all, where a lot of trauma can come up, and it's a very like long spiritual like. Um, uh, sort of a cathartic process that I'm very interested in. So I'm going to be doing that and sort of like just sharing with the world, like either perhaps you're promoting Molly on my podcast. Right. <laughs> so it took a quick, took a quick turn. <laughs> we went from working, <laughs> looking for a job at Pfizer. To take Molly. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I would, if I had to pick, I would promote universal psychedelic usage over universal vaccination. Oh, wow. Okay. I can't support either of these, but <laughs> Anyway, I'm Joe, even opposed Joe, to universal jackson and I'm I'm the I'm the I'm the man who coined the term. Yeah, but anyway, jo- 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 joke joke jokes aside, the Substack it's uh, ravarora.substack.com. I don't know if you want to link to it below or whatever, but sure thing. I'm going to be writing about again spirituality, meditation, um, just different parts of the human psyche that I I'm just really curious about, and I'm going I'm going into this not knowing what to expect really. Like I, I'm going into this, who knows? I might be like. Holy shit, like my mom, you were right. MDMA was a big fucking mistake. Mom, those those DMT monsters were fucking traumatizing. You were right. And then I'll then I'll end my sub stack and then I'll let, let go of all my subscribers. But but hopefully this is gonna be very profound and, and gonna help me deepen my spiritual journey so people can follow me there and follow the writing. And other than that, I'm gonna hopefully keep up to up to date with COVID and, and write about mandates and vaccine side effects. Um, if publications will let me publish those articles, which is more and more well, of a struggle. If you, can't, if you can't throw them on Substack, man. Yeah, I mean, the Substack was supposed to be focused just on spirituality oh, and meditation. Okay. Well, but I mean, worst put, case... Put them on something. Yeah, yeah. Worst case scenario, I, I might have to integrate and just do that. But yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. No doubt, man. Rav, it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, before we dip out, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, Twitter, Ravrora1, R-A-V-A-R-O-R-A-1. Instagram, I keep private for my own sanity. So that's that. But Twitter is the way to go. And then obviously, we got uh, the new Substack. So I, I welcome all subscribers, people who are interested, who are even who are not inclined to any of these areas. I, I highly encourage you to, to subscribe and just sort of uh, you know see somebody in live time experiment and experience these very novel things and hopefully report back and provide insights to many of my readers. Awesome, Rav. Real great to talk to you, man. Thanks. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.